the course of humanity just by re-engaging with what actually we always had. You look at our ancestors, they all had this. You know, we're relearning what we already knew. You know, this isn't this isn't any this isn't cutting edge technology. This is, you know, moving forward by moving back, you know. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Amazing. But and for me, like, because I've been traveling around and I haven't had a garden, um, and I'm currently at my son's and I just love as soon as I get there, I want to get out in the garden. They have got a big garden, but it's just connect, connecting with nature, and that's so important. And I think you know, if you can get the children young to, to learn about plants and to plant a couple little plants and um, and get them started, there's there's nothing for me in being in nature and cleaning up the picking up all the leaves and um, and it's like when I go out picking herbs, like you know, I like to get nettle tea and that. I'm always snipping away and going. I ask permission first and then I say thank you. <laughs> you know. Mm. Some people say you're nuts, but I think, well, you know, it's there, and I just like to give thanks for what I'm taking. Like, well, it's it's funny you should say about about people people thinking you're nuts. You know, when I first started gardening for uh, you know privately for individuals, you know, I was I was I just, you know, just went in as a standard gardener. I used to work as as people do. I go in now. The first thing that a, a new client sees of me is me going around with dowsing rods asking permission to be there, <laughs> hoping it's the right place to be. I mean, you know, the, the amount of reverence that goes into the into the equation in comparison to the way I was is extraordinary. <laughs> and it's, be, it's because we're on that journey. We're understanding that actually we're moving into a realm that much as we know a little bit about man, we don't know anything about it. You know, we go, we go eyes wide open, hoping that we begin to understand more, you know, and we only understand more by being, really really respectful of what we see in front of us so you know it's it's um it's important that you you ask you know because why why wouldn't you you know these are living vibrant spiritual beings you know yeah do ask <laughs> yeah well, especially when you're you're chopping things back you know um you know it's honoring the the spirit of the tree or whatever and, and just saying look i'm going to cut you back i'm going to trim you and you know, like sometimes people just chop away and I'm horrified. I thought, oh, my God. <laughs> but anyway. <laughs> yeah, but, you know, but this is part of plant understanding is, you know, it's perfectly okay to prune a plant and, and, and those things because because they've got the in, they've got the, the ability to grow, for, to flourish from that cut point and all the rest of it. That is a given. What isn't a given is, are you allowed to do it? Is it okay to do it? Please, can I do this? I am trying to do this for your well-being and mine. You know, once you've mm. made that relationship, the plant is so willing. You know, I've 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 pruned very very big trees. You know, and I've been very high up in very big trees. That tree could spit me out at any moment. You know, it, it's not a given that I'm not going to die because I don't tie myself in or any of those things. Really, anyway. You know, so I'm I'm tr I'm in a place of entire trust. So therefore, why wouldn't I be then going? You know, is it all right? You know, because I'm relying on you to keep me safe. You know, so it's really, it's really, and we are relying on nature to keep us safe. You know, this is the thing, isn't it? You know, not just in a small way in gardening. Every breath we take, we're relying on nature to keep us safe. That's you know, right. and, and and so, you know, we could go, we could go, we could have a, 10 programs about, about microbes. But one of the things I really want to say about gardening and about interaction with gardening, especially with, with about plants is eat the plants. You know, ask, take a leaf off a tree, 
you know, obviously make sure you know what trees, you know, do your research. But if it's a tree that you can eat, break off a leaf and eat it. Because what will, will then happen is you're incorporating the microbes into your stomach brain. From that point on, you are then absolutely associate with, with nature. So, you know, you could, I'm not saying, you know, make your whole diet a raw food diet. That doesn't matter. You don't need to do that because the amount of microbes on one leaf will change your stomach flora for, for days. So, you know, these are really important ways that we can, we can start to change our stomach flora, to start to change the microbes, which are our real driver after all. You know, every thought we have goes through whatever the microbes are, 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 are collectively communicating to us. These are really fundamental things. And if we, if we can just start to incorporate bits of that into our day to day, you watch the psychological change in that. It's, it's profound. You know, little, uh, as I say, you know, it, it, I was talking to Jeff uh, before we started about the big hitters. There's big hitters in the plant world, you know, ayahuasca and psilocybin. You know, if, if we want to really change psychologically, you know, these, the, 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 that is a, certainly a path. But it's worth remembering that all plants do this. You know, there, there are no exceptions. Every single plant has its message, has its different relationship. My, my conversation with you, Andrini, we are two individuals the like of which doesn't exist anywhere else on the planet. We are entirely unique. That is the yeah. same for the whole of the plant kingdom. They are all entirely unique. Each plant in the same variety is unique. That's why I can't say to you, this plant does this or that plant does that, because there is there are no rules. They mm -hmm. all do lots of things. And it's for us to be intuitive about whether those things are right for us. And that intuition is is a lifelong process isn't it so um, mm, yeah, shut me yeah. up by the way you know i can talk forever you know you, <laughs> no, no, you can really interrupt it's fine <laughs> <laughs> oh i will don't worry but no it's just amazing because <laughs> being a forest hello um i just love trees i love nature um and there's a place up around here you might have been it called um burnham beaches yeah lovely oh my god i went there last time i was up here it's absolutely stunning and the ancient trees there oh my god i had some lovely pictures of the energy around the the really elder trees but um yeah but no you you've got so much wisdom and i know you were going to take us through an exercise um to communicate more with nature because i would love to open up my abilities even more to to be more in tune with plants and trees and I'm reading a lovely book at the moment. I haven't got it by the side of me um, about communicating with trees and different trees around Glastonbury and Avebury where they've given you messages. And so so I've been reading that and that's really um, amazing. So it says what to do. So I sit with a tree now and I introduce myself and, <laughs> and I do, you know, I do all these odd things, but. You know, I've gone past worrying anymore. I think, well, this is me. This is who I am. I love nature. You know, I talk to I talk to the plants. I talk to the birds. I talk to the animals. Um, so it is opening our awareness even more. Like you know, and I love to hug a tree. But I tell you what really fascinates me at the moment is pictures of trees that I've taken. But the different barks. I just love some of the. The shapes of the barks are just so amazing. You know, that's another thing. It really fascinates me at the moment. So Yeah, yeah. But I anyway. Like, yeah, sorry. I mean, just to, to, talking to tree bark, you know, it's very interesting that we've got um, uh, 
obviously you've got the eucalyptus in in australia which 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 sheds you know this is a really significant part of a tree's life not all trees shed their bark in quite that way the one in london we have is the london plain which does a similar thing you know I, I, if you're familiar with the london plain it's got that very camouflage mottled mottled trunk where bits of it fall away all the time so it grows and falls away it's not one one continuous body it's got various you know different different age and i was reading recently somebody said how how old are, are london planes or how long do london planes live for and the answer was we don't know because we've never actually we, we we've no record of one actually dying of old age <laughs> amazing wow. thanks for that mm. so so astonishing that plants that can can shed their own bark uh, that are renewing themselves every year. They they brought the London planes in because the smog in Victorian London was so bad that they needed tree. You know, if if a tree couldn't shed its bark, it would just be black. <laughs> it would just be completely covered in soot. So a London plane was great because it always looked like it was it was just you know recently planted. So that was why they used them in cities as much as they did, and they survive and they survive. The ones in Berkeley Square are just under three hundred years old. Um, you know, we, 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 you know, we, we are working in with with timescales that we can hardly conceive of. You know, if you take a yew tree, for example, so a yew tree, you see a yew tree. You see, a, we've got yew trees here that are are, are, are dated, you know, two, 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 two and a half, three thousand years old. That's the active tree itself. But if you look around you, that yew tree, you'll see that there's a whole circle of yew trees, and that that, that circle. Um, yew trees are stoloniferous. That means that they grow up from the, the roots. So the roots grow down and then they come up to the ground and a new tree will start from where that root has, has reached, the, reached the sunlight. So when the main tree dies, that ring of trees will carry on. And it's the same tree. It's the same understanding. It's the same information. So although that main body of tree after three, 4,000 years has died off, it's left itself in the ground in actuality, this isn't a seed falling off the tree and growing separately with a separate identity. This is the same identity. Therefore, these trees are eternal. They are eternal. They have been here forever. They will be here forever. So coming to your, um, your, your communication with trees, well, you know, if you want to pick up the wisdom of something, go and sit with something that's been here forever <laughs> because it has got all the information for of eternity thank you for that you know so let's let's tap into that so yeah we will talk a little bit just very briefly about right we had a chat and andrini the other day about how you know sometimes you feel like you want to be hearing voices you want to be actually physically communicating with a tree there is no doubt whatsoever that this is a real experience that we can actually do that but if we if that doesn't happen if we don't have that, then it's really worth getting into certain simple preparations about with tree meditating, because have a think about it. You know, what is stopping? What is stopping us being able to directly communicate with everything around us? Um, the answer clearly is us, isn't it? You know, we are we are stopping us from doing that. So how can we stop us from stopping us is really the yeah. question. So. The, the, the bit that's stopping us is our internal dialogue. Our internal dialogue is a bit of a misnomer, isn't it? I mean, it's so helpful on so many levels and such an absolute pain 
<laughs> on others because it, it doesn't necessarily do what we want. It does what it wants pretty much all the time. And, you know, Ram Das talks about, you know, a lifelong journey and reigning in the internal dialogue. It's pretty much it, isn't it? So in meditation, one of the things that I like to do is to separate my internal dialogue from the spirit. So I recognize that my internal dialogue will rattle along pretty much, you know, whether I wanted to stop or not. But what I can do is I can compartmentalize it. I can say, all right, well, you have this bit. You have this bit of time, but I'm giving this bit of time up to the spirit. And um, a, a lovely exercise in this is um, this is I first read about this with with Fool's Crow. Fool's Crow was the um, uh, uh uh, he was a, a native a Native American. He was 104 when he died or something. So he had seen uh, a you know the, the huge change in in uh, in his his tribe's life. But the the one thing that he's talked about was how uh, everyone in the tribe would get into fourfold breath. So fourfold breath is pendulum breath. So if you imagine a pendulum swinging and you breathe in for four and you hold for four and breathe out for four and hold for four the breaths is the humanity is the human this is my internal dialogue is my faults and failings but the pauses is letting the spirit in so you've given half yourself up to the spirit you've accepted that yeah i'm here physically i'm here but half of me is something else is spirit is something else you know we can all put our term on that but whatever that something else is is external from us almost that it is influenced by something that is external from us so if we want to be influenced by the spirit of a tree we have to tap into what is external from us what is our spiritual nature and then if we're giving half of that to the tree and then our internal dialogue is dealing with the rest then we can rest assured that while we're sitting with that tree even if we are not physically experiencing that download even if we are too thick-skinned or just in my case too thick to really get the full message <laughs> that message is still coming through it is still happening because you have allowed that you have opened that space you have accepted you know that that half of your experience will be that and then bit by bit all of you becomes that experience but it's really really healthy to separate that fourfold breath has got me out of so many scrapes i can't tell you you know because in a tight spot it's a magical thing you know i mean i won't go into those scrapes right now but you know you know when you're really up against it i'll give you give you a quick example i won't go into the details of why but at gunpoint at a border in syria where i really thought i wasn't going to make the next five minutes the one thing i did a lot of was fourfold breathing <laughs> and you know it's it did sort of calm the situation down you know but uh, yeah so i digress but um but, yeah with tree meditation yeah i've done and i have done that at times when i can't sleep or different things you know you you do the counting and it just slows you down and then um and yeah, it connect like you say, it connects you, takes you into that deeper space, and you're more relaxed. So, yeah, I, I am aware of that. So, are you going to do a little exercise with us all? I was thinking about it. I mean, I did mention it to Jeff earlier on, and and uh, he did give me a wry smile. You know, meditation on the radio—it's not great radio, really. So, yeah. so I don't think we'll do. I don't think we'll do yeah. that. But what I, what I think I th what I think we we could do 
is 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 just for a moment think about um uh yeah rather than do an exercise i'll give you an example so when uh, uh on the plains of america people would go hunting buffalo that was a really big deal because people would be you know again like i was saying about climbing you know danger really hugely dangerous scenario so for two or three days everyone would get into fourfold breath and it wasn't just about sitting around getting into fourfold breath everyone would get into synchronized breathing and the reason for that was so that when the people who were actually going out and taking the risk were out taking the risk the responsibility of that risk was shared the whole mm. thing was about like-mindedness not letting your internal dialogue disrupt an important event you know we had a we had a really important event last night um we honored our ancestors at abbey house last night and mm -hmm. so we had a, a, a very shamanic circle and then we had a, a sharing i am still recovering from that sharing it was as deeply profound as any experience that I've had for many, many years, because I think we've all, you know, as you go through life, people leave, you know, and I've had very, very close, very powerful people leave. They weren't left last night. They were, they were absolutely <laughs> with us. And part of that is because in, this, in these meditations, in this breath, in this world, nothing leaves. Actually, you know, this is another part of the plant spirit medicine understanding is that you know by by giving everything up to the microbial action you know the the understanding that the fungi of a uh, 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 you know um honey fungus running for 200 square miles through through canadian rainforest is all interactive it's all dealt with by the microbes of the fungus who are dictating the terms of which trees live or die which trees are fed and which trees have already had enough you know nothing exists in 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 inertia Everything's connected. So when we start connecting human beings up, when we start recognizing that by things like fourfold breathing, which, as I say, you know, nothing's new. These, you know, this has been done on the plains of America for 10,000 years, for goodness sake. You know, I'm not, I'm not pretending that this is suddenly some new great understanding. No, no. This is just, just being real about how we can, re, we can reconnect. Um, and as I say, last night's ceremony was about sharing the responsibility of our loved ones' loss, allowing those ancestors in the in their next realm to reconnect via us. So all of those friends on the other realms were being friends with us on this realm. Magic, absolutely magic. So you know, talk, you know, we're saying about dreaming the new dream. There, there, there it is. You know, we, 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 you know, we have still got all the information that we need to rebuild this situation in the most loving and wonderful way. And, and, and we are, you know, so, um, you know, uh, if, if tree spirits and tree nature help us with that, um, then, 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 you know, that speeds the process up no end. There's a lovely abbey. We were right. See where the abbey is there in that photograph. We were where that tree is at the far end. We were right by that wall last night doing the ceremony so uh, you know the the high altar so the high altar is um uh, 
where you've got the two, the, you've got the tall arch. If you walk through, oh, thank you, Jeff. Uh, yeah. So if, if you walk through that arch, um, you come to the high altar. Now the high altar is the great crossing point of the Michael and the Mary lines lines. So from those lines, instantaneously and rapidly round the round the planet those lines run uh, very very powerful positive energies and we were right on those lines last night with our ancestors worshiping the the, the wonder of glastonbury and its immense constant power and love um, you know they call it the heart chakra well you know what a what a what a lovely thing to call anything, you know. So yeah. definitely, and I know I was, I know I was um, a couple of a weeks couple ago of weeks with you guys, guys, and that was the first time I'd gone round into the front of the abbey, and like there was a tree there that just like, oh my god, when you <laughs> went round, it just like, oh, it just took your breath away. It was magnificent. And I did want to go back and connect with that tree. But anyway, it didn't happen. But I know when I stood on there looking down through the abbey and, you know, being on the, the ley lines, but I know what a powerful evening and watching the sunset go right down all the way through was just amazing. So yeah, yeah. that would have um, been magical last night. What a, what a privilege, uh, you know, it is that we have, you know, access to these sites. I mean, we're doing, we're doing, um, you know, you know, we're doing uh, uh, a lot of a lot of um, work there, and it's 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 lovely. That tree is an Atlantic cedar, you know. It's, uh, yeah, yeah. It's, how it's old is it? Thing. Do you know what? Well, I would think it would be maybe. Um, so that so the big cedar avenue that was planted um, just outside Glastonbury, those cedars are. Uh, they were planted in 1805, I believe. Mm. So uh, that would that would make our cedar there of a uh, maybe slightly less an age. I would say say maybe 1850s, perhaps. But you're still talking about a you know considerably old tree. You know, beautiful, mm. isn't it? Yeah, really yeah, yeah. Oh wow, amazing! Right. So um, I know you did, like when we talked about meditation, and you mentioned about you were going to play something with your guitar. Um, mm. Is that has that gone out the window now? Now is it... I'd, I'd love to, but if if we do that, you know, I won't do it for very long. But I think I think what would be nice is if we can if we can visualise the fourfold breath as we do it. So yeah. if we if if anyone who's listening to this, if you just want to sit quietly, because this is a a a a, medita a piece of meditative music, um, right. and what we can do is we can we can we can use that idea that. As I start playing, if you breathe in for four, hold for four, breathe out for four, hold for four, and just visualize that as you breathe, you are absolutely as entirely human as you can be. But as you come to the pauses, you are creating a gap between worlds. Mm. That pause is the gap between worlds. As a pendulum sits before it swings back in that inertia, the spirit is allowed to transcend in those gaps that we are opening up that space and in that space we can we can settle you know and the spirit can do what it does which is run its energy through us cleanse us you know how energy flows in the universe is purely and simply dictated to by the spirit you know the, the i've studied aikido for years and in aikido we talk about key 
and we talk about how key flows through us and how we can use key in Aikido. We use key to create conflict resolution. So everything about Aikido is about allowing energy to flow through us and putting everything to rest, you know, putting everything at peace. So even if somebody's attacking you or being violent or being verbally abusive, that we turn that absolutely full circle into peace and love. Because O-Sensei's understanding when he created Aikido was he could bring about world peace through Aikido. I still believe him. I'm his student. That is my mission. You know, so we are very much in that in that realm. And, you know, uh, yeah, I, again, you know, get me on and talk about Aikido for three days. But, you know, <laughs> O-Sensei was a, 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 the mo one of the most spiritual men in Japan, shunned the war, moved his, moved his people north, wouldn't you know he, he understood that you know the, the conflict that was raging could only be settled by dealing with your own conflict you know you know martial arts self-defense as he said defense against yourself mm. you know all, all this stuff about <laughs> it being external from you forget that you know we're doing it to to, to allow the spirit to come through us and to take away run that energy out through us so we're not conflicting anymore so that we're living in peace but that and peace can only be here sorry it's, that is the key to getting everybody more in balance in harmony within themselves and then when you know when you are centered grounded um and at peace it reflects out you know you know because you know with all the different scenarios that have been going on it's you know it's triggered people's buttons on so many levels and you know and if we can all just think well this is all what's happened and it's a huge learning curve for all of us but if we can come back to center and like you say just doing the fourfold breath bring ourselves back in bring bring that peaceful element within we can mm. ripple that around the planet yeah, I, I love what Jeff said earlier on. You know that, that you know there's that there, there is a bigger picture going on. There's lots of, of of polarity. People being pulled into conversations and situations about you know world situations. Well, actually, they're immaterial, really. You know, the conflict is still within, isn't it? You know, so so you know, let's deal with that. Let's let's keep going inward. You know, because then the the, the external picture matters little. It, it doesn't actually exist on some level. You know, it is a construct. We can avoid it because actually the work we need to do is internal, not external. You know, we can we can worry all we like about what the world's doing, but actually we can really change it by worrying about what we're doing. You know, that's, exactly. that's the thing, isn't it? So, um, yeah. so no, thanks, key. Jeff, for that. I appreciated what you were saying earlier about that stuff. Yeah. Guitar. Like yeah, so do you want to share a bit about how, you know, music has taken over and, you know, because you, I mean, are you part of a band? I know, I'm not, I haven't looked at your music, Vic, I was only interested in your nature. <laughs> uh, lots of bands. I mean, I, I, you know, if I'm allowed to shamelessly name drop, I played with a guy called Jeffrey Pierce, who was uh, in the gun club in the back in the punk days. So we, we did a bit of that. And um, uh, in more recent times, um, I've been playing with um, uh, various different friends in Glastonbury. That photograph was 
at the um, anti-fracking gigs that we put on. So we we interacted with Standing Rock uh, at that at that particular concert. Um, all sorts of people. Uh, Judge Smith from the Van de Graaff Generator was there, um, and uh, Park, who's our lovely bard in Glastonbury, amazing musician, incredible poet, uh, as about as far out as any human being could possibly get. Um, you know, but but amazing with it, isn't he? I mean, what a what a talent that guy is. So yeah, Glastonbury is you know running through music. You know, it's incredible here. You know, so uh, yeah, I play with lots of different different people. I've I'm in the middle of um, I, I mentioned Arsene Petrosian earlier on. Hopefully, Jeff, I'm going to get some music to Jeff, so um, so he can explore some of the Armenian music that I'm playing. Obviously, my my grandfather was Armenian and escaped the genocide and in in uh, in the start of the uh, the 20th century so there's armenian threads that run through what i do and uh, i'm just finishing an album which is all about my grandfather's journey from armenia i might actually even play a little bit of that in a second so you can that would be lovely yeah let's play that um so yeah busy musically um uh it's it's a it's a hobby and a passion and uh and something that that brings me uh, closer to the spirit as well you know Amazing. Ah, the tour. There we are. Look. Lovely. Right. I'll play um I'll play a little bit of the uh the start of the Armenian album. And if we can just uh we can just maybe just get into this nice breathing and have a look at some photographs. <laughs>
Yeah. Oh, that was lovely. Thank, Thank you. you. <laughs> oh, yeah, and looking at some of these pictures, how much Glastonbury has changed, the shops change, and um, there's always change happening all the time, eh? Mm. It's a, it's, um, yeah, there's, there's a, there's a flow to it, isn't there, Andrina? You know, oh. it's, um, it, you know, it, it was, it's, uh, I think when I first encountered Glastonbury, it felt very flaky. It felt, it felt, it felt um, <laughs> I don't know what it felt like. Now that I've, I've lived here for a while, I recognise that on the surface it may seem that, but it is far from that. You know, mm. it is a, it's a deeply intuitive place. And, uh, you know, people who are drawn here are drawn here for a oh. very particular purpose. Mm. We've been discussing a lot about the uh, the um, Abbot Whiting and about what happened with Henry VIII. That's very very current uh, topic of conversation. I would uh, really really ask for any listeners to find the petition that we are getting together in Glastonbury and sign it for um, next year is the Queen's Platinum Jubilee, and we are asking that. Um, Richard Whiting is uh, is pardoned. The abbot is still uh, seen as being a criminal and was executed as such. He was far from that. He was our great spiritual avatar, who who um, you know is still thoroughly respected and loved here. Um, so we are still campaigning on his behalf. Five hundred years later. <laughs> and one mm. day he will be uh, he will be honoured in the way that he should be honoured. Yeah, definitely, definitely. Mm, wow. Oh, so so Sammy's helped me here actually. The petition is on change.org. It's very right. important because if we get enough signatures, they have to take into this into account. And if they do take it into account. It's almost certain that, that uh, a, a major change will be made in the understanding of Glastonbury and what happened uh, with the dissolution of the monasteries. Very important. No, we, well, we can put that in a link and we can share that um, Please, later. That, that, that would be lovely. Yeah, this isn't yeah. my campaign, by the way. This is very great people in Glastonbury who are doing yeah. this, but I'm sharing on their behalf. Sorry? I saw the posters when I was... Um, back in Glastonbury, and like you say, Glastonbury caused you, um, you know, people think, oh, it's airy fairy, and yeah, you know, you've got the, you've got your airy fairies going around, and, but, you know, Glastonbury is lively, and it does draw you in, and it draws people in from all around the world, I mean, I worked in the um, Chalice Well Gardens, on, you know, 2007, 2008, as a volunteer, and I just loved it, and I met all sorts of people from all around the world, you know, sharing lovely stories and, you know, just walking into the gardens, took their breath away. And then you've got the two ancient yew trees there as you go in, haven't you? Uh, Absolutely. But they're, they're, talking of yew trees, there is one, um, I can't remember the name of the place, the other side of Glastonbury. Um, there's a really... The Compton Dundon yew. Yeah, yeah, it's... it's it's it on one of the pictures, actually. I think, uh, yeah, you might. That's really ancient, isn't it? That one. I mean, I think it's yeah, one of the oldest ones. So. That is, yeah. That's that's getting now. Yeah, that's getting up to two thousand years old, actually. 
Um, yeah, so just with your remarkable. work now, with your, with your gardening, whereabouts are you doing your gardening work? Are you um, self-employed and you go around doing different people's gardens or, you know, where are you with all of this at the moment? Yeah, I, 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 I am busy blasting a wildlife corridor, a, a pesticide-free zone, right the way across Somerset. If you if you want to join me, just give me a call. Um, yeah. yeah, you know, I've been, I, you know, my, 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 my big sort of uh, campaign, if you like, is to make people understand that no pesticide, nothing you kill in a garden is a good move, nothing. No. You know, no. there is no need to worry unduly about pests and diseases. All you have to find is a balance. There is no garden that shouldn't thrive without the use of any pesticides. Don't use them. Don't kill things. <laughs> Keep things live. <laughs> because, you know, I mean, people go on, I mean, I, you know, people go on in this country. They, we used to have 44 million hedgehogs. We're down to 8, eight million. And the, the 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 rhetoric, you know, the, the 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 world conversation is, oh, it's because we put up a lot of fences, and oh, it must be the badgers that are eating the hedge. Oh, for goodness sake, just stop killing <laughs> yeah. the stop killing the slugs because slugs is what they eat, and stop, you know, stop using pesticides because that's what kills things. You know, I mean, really, are we that childish that we can't see that? So, you know. Let's just stop doing that. If we stop yeah. doing it in the gardens, okay, the farmers are still going to do what they do, but we can blast a wildlife corridor very significantly through, you know, England, through the on the planet, just by making sure our own individual gardens are pesticide-free. A little bit like we said about changing ourselves, changing internally, just change the environment around you. You know, make sure that you are not you're bringing everything in. You know, people say to me about you know, what do you do as a gardener? I open up the environment to as much diversity as I possibly can, mm. you know, in all ways, even things that may seem like they're detrimental. No, they're not. You know, sparrows, the depopulation of sparrows in London. Why did that happen? Well, any gardener worth their salt knows why it happened. A, although a sparrow will eat anything you throw out for it, it only feeds its young regurgitated green fly. So if he killed off all the green fly with pesticides, then you lose your sparrow. I mean, this is simple stuff, you know, and we, you know, we as gardeners know about this stuff instinctively, intrinsically. We've been yelling this from the rooftops for years. You know, yeah. I'm still waiting for the Guardian to put this in a, on a page because they won't. No, <laughs> I wonder why. But, you know, no. but, but we can have this communication ourselves, thanks to lovely radio stations like this, who are recognising that the way forward is to make sure that, you know, as individuals, we are being responsible. And it, you know, it, these small changes are huge changes. I took on a village um, just outside of Yeovil, uh, maybe 25 years ago. I don't think there were hardly any organic gardeners there at the time. You go to that village now, because one by one, I took over most of those gardens. And then when people used to ask me, oh, would you come around and and prune it. I don't want you to garden with me, but come round and prune a shrub. And I say, I'll come round and prune a shrub, shrub, as long as you guarantee me that you never use a pesticide in your garden again, mm. ever. Yeah. And I said, well, why is that? And I said, well, that Robbie that's just flown with me from that garden to have a look at me working in your garden, trust me, trust me with where I work, trust me with the environment that it is in, and it's only flown from over there. Yeah. So 
I cannot be responsible for my friends, these birds, to follow me into a zest zone. I'm not having it, you know. So, uh, so it's a bit like that, you know. It's a it's a one man, you know, crusade. Yeah, <laughs> I must one. admit, I wouldn't use chemicals in the garden, um, and I I I don't. You very rare if I use chemical products. I like to mix essential oils and and make my own concoctions and bathroom sprays and all of that because you know all these different sprays like i can go somewhere and i'm like oh, God, you know the smell just like you, mm. you know it just overwhelms you but i know um somebody was saying about what was the best way to get rid of um dandelions and i said hot boiling water you know and they wanted to know what sprays and it's simple you just use boiling water you know rather than spraying something or get down and do a bit of digging <laughs> pull them out the ground <laughs> most important thing to do with dandelions is lift them carefully ask them nicely put them in your juicer and eat them they are yeah. one of the most, they are an absolute superfood you know yeah. so, so all of the, so all of these you know what um I'll give you a really great example of this. You know, one of the plants we've got here is ground elder. Ground elder was brought by the Romans because the Romans suffered a lot with gout. The reason they suffered a lot with gout was because they drunk a lot of red wine and, <laughs> and gout, it, what it does, it crystallizes the cells, basically. So so crystallization of the joints and cells, you know, all of the, arthri all the, all of the arthritic problems, all of the dehydration of the cells, brought about by the cell's inability to assimilate water is is crucial to our understanding of what brings about joint pain and all that sort of stuff. So the Romans knew this. They brought they brought ground elder. They planted it all the way along every road in England. So when, as they were marching along, as soon as they'd stop and sit down, they'd graze on the ground elder. Now, you know, all these years on, ground elder is one of the worst pests going in the gardens. It's really difficult to shift. It goes through all the borders. It's a big problem, except for me, because I think it's one of the most fantastic plants going. You do have to, you know, you don't want it running right the way through your garden, don't get me wrong. <laughs> but ground elder, what a fantastic plant. What an absolutely incredible plant, especially for modern human beings, a lot of whom are suffering from joint pains, all of that sort of stuff. So, you know, uh, study your herbs, get to know these things, cleavers, nettles, dandelions, you know, graze on them, eat bits of them, use the microbes. These are vitally important plants. So, you know, we, we, you know, I, I, I can't speak for Australia. I don't really know what your, uh, your, 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 your plants are. I don't expect they're too different. I should imagine you've got all the same plants there as you have here. But study them, you know, get to know them because... They're our friends. They are here to really help us stay well, stay healthy, you know. And that's important. Dandelion's great, you know, great diuretic, fantastic for mm. all the internal organs, brilliant for the lymphatic system. Amazing plant, you know, really. Yeah. I'm sort of getting more and more into the herbs, and I have bought, um, picked up some lovely um, secondhand herb books that have been, like, new. So I want to sort of um re-remember a lot of these things if you like but i know um because i don't think they have dandelions in australia i can't remember but <laughs> um i was given some by a friend 
to eat, you know, and she'd had them all in a little bag and then we had them in our juice and it was lovely. I mean, I love, yeah. you know, I love nettle juice, but I've certainly gone on to the dandelion. So I'm slowly getting into this more and more. But um, yes, so it, 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 it's amazing for your body, like you say. I was, I was, I was working recently. I was doing, I was, I was, I wasn't actually uh, doing gardening. I was doing, I was helping somebody doing, doing a bit of uh, building work. And the lady of the house said, oh, you know, my husband suffers from, you know, he, he can't come down at the moment. He's suffering terribly. He's got, he's got, he's got this problem and that, you know, various different things I won't go into. And uh, I said to the lady, I said, come, come, come and have a look, walk around your garden. And every single herb that that man needed for his well-being was within a hundred yards of his bed. What what is really significant is the plants come to us. It's really really staggering. This is it, I, I know we, we're we're getting into the realms of quite you know quite high spiritual uh, evaluations here, but I am not kidding. You know your well-being is almost within arm's reach. You know, if you know your plants, they are there waiting to help. It's, it's extraordinary. You know, mm -hmm. and you know, what is more, that lady did go and pick those herbs, did juice up quite a lot of them, and there were significant changes in, in the health situation. So, you know, these things, are, you know, who needs doctors when you've got every, every bit of medicine out? I worked in the physics garden, as I mentioned earlier. Chelsea Physics Garden, established in the 1700s, was all they had as medicine. There wasn't any other medicine. There was only plants. It was only relatively recent times that we've itched the idea that the plants are our medicine. You know, mm. as I say, you know, the way forward is the way back. You yeah, know, we have to go back to this understanding, this knowledge. Mm. Who wants pharmaceuticals? You know, when you can, when you can, we can need, you can have the real thing. Doesn't make any sense. Mm. Last time I went to the doctor, you know, many years ago, uh, he said to me, "Oh, you know." Dave, we haven't seen you for a while. I said, no, I've been ill. <laughs> Sorry, that was a... <laughs> Love it. That was the great Tommy Cooper joke, I thought. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, we're with you on that one, I can tell you. <laughs> I wish you didn't die on stage and get pulled off. After the <laughs> well, yeah, it didn't necessarily entirely apply to poor Tommy, did it? But what a funny man. Now, you know, we used to go and see him as kids. He was, he'd walk out on stage. And he'd do a full act without actually opening his mouth. You'd be absolutely on the floor before he'd actually bother to say anything. Genius. Very funny. And they're like, I just yeah. had a message from because I just could hear the phone going. And um, um, my sister shared that France has overturned the ban on hunting songbirds. Over a hundred thousand wild birds are being sacrificed for politics. Um, I don't know. I don't know any more about that. But well, well, well significantly, you know, uh, all our all our lovely birds from this country. So, so you take the the swift, the house martin, mm -hmm. and the swallow, all fly from England, right the way across Europe, down through Africa, all the way to the Cape. They take on, you know, I, I think it's something like ten and a half thousand mile flight. Virtually without stopping, nearly all the swift, virtually on the wing the whole time. They all fly through through the south of France, and half of them get picked off by by people who want to shoot them on the way through. You know, mm. stop doing that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Don't do that anymore. It's, it's you know, 
you're more grown up than that you know let's 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 be adult here you know ah mm -hmm. oh, wow amazing well have you written a book or anything sharing your stories or you know putting together about the plants and I haven't, no, I am though in the process of the the album that I'm writing about my grandfather's journey is also, um, is a small book. So the, it's being illustrated by a lovely girl, Jeanette, in, in, uh, in America. All the poetry is being done by our fabulous word spinner poet, who is, honestly, if you can find word spinner, uh, Roger Iredale, utterly remarkable poet you know in the school in, uh, published along along with ted hughes and the great poets M amazing so i've got i'm privileged to have one of the great english poets writing that for me so uh, i've got the wonderful uh arson petrosian one of the foremost international deduk players probably the best deduk player of his generation playing deduk on it for me so i am extremely <laughs> privileged to have that um mm -hmm. coming out next year so yeah that's that's um that's something that i want to do can i just actually say um if you want to uh, explore roger iredale's poetry roger iredale.co.uk uh sorry roger-iredale.co.uk um he he is you know worth the admission fee alone fabulous all right okay <clears throat> food for thought because we're all, mm. <clears throat> excuse me, we're always looking for people that are dreaming the new dream, that are have got something to share, that are helping humanity. So, if anybody knows of anybody else that would like to come on the show, please get in touch with us. But well, you've been an absolute gem. <laughs> as 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 are you, Andrina. Thank you so much <laughs> for asking me. I I, uh, I think when you when you when you asked me, you were, you were probably thinking to yourself, well, you know. Dave's quite quiet, really. I wonder if he's really, you know. I wonder. Yeah. <laughs> you had yeah. no idea, did you? <laughs> yeah, but it was just. Yeah, I knew I had to get in touch with you, and I knew I didn't know what you did. <laughs> I mean, I've always spoke to you, but I just intuitively was guided to connect with you, and um, and I think Samia said that you know. Um, you, I can slot you in, or and I said, oh no. It, you know, I'd like him on the show, not as when somebody drops out or anything. So thank you for <laughs> taking your time to share all your amazing stories. And I love what you're doing for nature. It's absolutely fantastic. And hopefully um, people will go away with rethinking about using any her um, pesticides in the garden for, you know, because I know <clears throat> lots of my friends and family, they've all got like hedgehogs in the garden and um, especially my niece, Nikki, she's got um, different things to encourage the hedgehogs and she's got bird feeders and she's got all the hedge sparrows coming in and it's just lovely to watch. So, um, yeah, it's yeah. Just, just magic. couple of quick things, Andrina. Firstly, any gardeners out there want any gardening information, buy books prior to 1930. You know, yeah. buy the books that tell you the real story. You know, so... You know, for pesticides, we knew all about this stuff. We knew all about companion gardening. We knew Gertrude Frank's companion gardening book. Just to stick with that. You did promise me that we could go full circle. Can I tell you the last yes. bit? <laughs> yeah. So okay. going full circle. Would you like to finish so, off? <laughs> so, so as a child spinning around in the garden, looking up at the trees, looking up at the owls, 
Um, maybe five years ago, I went on a course in Brighton. And as part of this course, there was a guided meditation. And I lay down in this room and the person took me on a guided meditation. And they said, um, yeah, you can become a bird, become a bird. So I lay there and I sort of, you know, got into the idea that I was a bird and very, and I'm not very good at guided meditations. I've normally, I've normally drifted off by now. You know, I'm normally in my own world, not really paying much attention, but I was really in this one. And uh, so I became this bird and this bird took off. And I thought, wow, I'm actually, I'm actually experiencing this. This is really something, you know. And this bird flew and flew and I flew with it and I was looking over the landscape and the, 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 the guided meditation was gone and I was this bird, I was away. And this bird settled in a tree and the bird looked down and I looked down at my own self in the garden from the tree of my childhood. Wow. Yeah, that was a moment. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, you can't, you can't recreate that, can you? That you know, that's magic. Yeah, it was pure magic, absolutely. Mm. Right, do you hey, want to, um, Jeffrey? Yeah, I know. Um, the thing that was um, we haven't spoken about was the actual um, the diva or the elemental that um, sticks with that particular flower or that particular tree. You actually. Um, had that experience of working actually with the, the diva kingdom? I think, I think that um, we spoke quite a lot about, about the big plant spirit uh, um, medicine plants. And I think that, you know, I, I, in my formative years, experienced most of those medicine plants. So um, they give you a certain clarity because there's a huge amount of power there. And there is a, there is a, it's a little bit like, how, how could you use the analogy? It's a little bit like when you, um, when you come face to face with somebody famous, if you like, you, you know, so you've, you've, you, you, you've met people in the world and then you, then you come across, uh, what's a good example of me? I, I met Bob Geldof at the time when he was doing Live Aid. So Bob Geldof at the moment when he was doing Live Aid, he was spun out. He was, tr he was a trip, you know what I mean? Because, you know, he's suddenly on the world stage and being, I was in a lift at the BBC with him and, you know, he turns around and, and starts chatting with me and I looked at him and he looked at me and I was in the presence of somebody who was larger than life in, in that moment. And some plants do that. Some plants will manifest themselves as themselves, as the vast spirit that they are. Does that happen all the time? No, not really. And some people, some plants are very... Uh, like human beings some people some plants are shy and retiring some plants are very secretive you know th these these conditions are very human-like in a sense but you know um my, my favorite my favorite plant that's got possibly the most powerful spirit is one of the very smallest and that is the night-scented stock night-scented stock's a tiny little insignificant flower that you would miss every time you went into a garden and yet dominates in the evening with its scent absolutely powerful so mm. you can sit with the scent of a plant and get the majesty of it and see the aura of it and eventually recognize the 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 the, the manifestation of feminine of the of of uh, of night scented stock is is sublime so so 
so I, I would answer you, Jeff, in saying yes and no. These things are fleeting glimpses for me. Um, I'm sure there are people who are, are, are seeing the full picture all the time, but not for me. I wait for the fleeting glimpses and appreciate them when I get them, you know, very much. Right, so um, have you come across the pan energy in that respect as well? Well, I think so. I think I think I know what you're referring to. It's interesting that um, uh, that um, when you say that, the person that bring, brings that most to mind, we are um, we are going into the uh, bardic understanding of something here as well. And Pock, who we've mentioned before, our great bard here, is it, it is um, so imbued with 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 that those ethereal understandings that he can take you very clearly into that realm and sean uh, um I'm, i don't know andrina if you know sean kerwin have you met sean don't think so, so so we have we have um we have people who work with the elementals here who are very very powerful in that realm so when you're going into the elemental realms uh and when you're taken into the elemental realms um their their play in 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 nature becomes very very apparent so so yeah what i see when you're saying about pan what i'm really entering into there when you're saying it is an understanding of the elemental realms which again is a vast subject and it's it's something that um from my point of view i go back to my celtic roots for the elemental understandings my my mum was very passionate about about the celtic element elementals so so yes again almost almost a whole realm of understanding there jeff you know that that the, the elementals are a fundamental part of what we're what we're involved with here so a, a, again you know a big subject but yes i do understand mm. where you're coming from there definitely and glastonbury they've got um the elemental egg isn't it? it goes takes you into the um that realm isn't it wow Wow, well, Jeff, I, I also I do Agni Hotra, which is sunset and sunrise fire ceremonies at the Eggstone. So the Eggstone is halfway up the tour, and if the Glastonbury is is um, one of the analogies of Glastonbury is it's all about pressure and release. You know that the Druids came here ten thousand years ago because it's the Glass Isle, the place of the dead. This was a really powerful spiritual place way before Christianity, and the Eggstone. The eggstone is a, a big calcified uh, stone that was probably brought from the inner realm to the outside. Really significantly, that stone should never be on the outside of that tool. That stone is from the inner realm. You know, so mm -hmm. it was either brought through, you know, dug out, brought through, or it was relatively on the surface and brought out into the light as a representation of the underworld. That's what that stone is. So for me to go and do fire ceremonies there and respecting our ancestors there, I had a, an incredible experience one sunrise where I lit my, lit my fire and I saw a group of people come right at the foot of the tour and sit around and make a fire and sit. And then I think, God, you know, they, I've never seen people do that in Glastonbury before. And I went into my meditation and I came out, went down. I could find no trace of them. It was a pure vision, you know. And I mean, this is a... A visionary place we do have those experiences if we're lucky and the eggstone is vitally important in this you know it's something that is still hidden people don't really go there too much um because as i say it's halfway is half it's the halfway 
but is is a magnificent thing, you know. So yeah, I'm trying to find it. Yeah. <laughs> I um I um moving down to moving the down to the Charles Wells. Charles Wells. One Jeffrey is enough, but we can't up to two. <laughs> I don't know what happened there. Um, we've got the the red well and the the white well. I mean, mm. how important is it to have those um, two wells there? That we've got different um, minerals. I suppose you'd have to say is supplements. Basically, one's twenty meters away from the other one, isn't it? I mean, well, how could two what, two aqua streams have two different mineral contents? What you could be dealing with there—it's very difficult because you couldn't you could only speculate. What we could be dealing with there is two vast artesian wells uh, stretching in one two different directions right across the the whole of the um, the, the um, Somerset levels, meeting within a few feet of each other, but not combining. So geographically, that is utterly and entirely unique. That may not take place anywhere else anywhere. So, again, that's why the, the, the Druids who doused this place, who understood it in the way that they understood it, recognised its uniqueness, recognised what an incredible thing that that is. And, uh, and it brings its power. You know, the, 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 um, the ley lines don't just cross here once. One of the powerful things about this place is the ley, ley, ley lines cross here four times and formulate almost a perfect helix. You know, the, the Druids utterly understood this. They doused it within, within an inch of itself, recognised all of these properties being hugely significant in their spiritual understanding and in the formulation of huge vibration, huge spiritual uh, connectivity, you know. Hey, um, I mean the the word dragon seems to come up quite synonymous in the history of England and Wales. Um, would you say that the dragon energy relates to the ley lines, or are we actually talking about um, myth mythical inner world uh, beings of, called dragons? And there's something to be said about how did that all sort of come out of, out of nowhere and how did that affect um plant and plant medicine and you know the, the structure of having um trees on sacred ley lines or oh, we call them sacred but song lines out here in australia or, or ley lines i mean the effect of that energy running through like a meridian i mean is are we just using the word dragon as a a metaphor here for uh, an energy that pulsates throughout the planet I think it's a, a, a metaphor and a reality. Um, I think it is a metaphor, Jeff. But I think I think one of the things that I've suddenly it, it sort of dawned on me um, uh, almost almost as a, as a great realization was that um, what the ley lines do um, uh, is shift things very very fast. You know, so so. It's instantaneous. The energy that's running on the ley lines is happening inexplicably quickly. It's running around the planet. You know, so so what we think here is felt there. What we think here is felt with you, straight off. That's the thing. So so what we're putting through there is quietly important. It's, you know, 
high energy. You know, we have to be very careful of this very sacred understanding. And, you know, the dragons, they were they were as real as you and I, you know, the, the, drag, the dragons are a reality, you know, because if you think about the way the 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 um the ley lines are is they're so it's like a serpent isn't it you know, but just the formation of those lay, those lines and the way they act here is is of a serpent it's of a flying serpent so you know they they are mythological and a reality i would say and the, the word pen dragon was aptly used for um well, I suppose an image that they could put on their shields, no different to um, Manchester United with the Red Devil symbol or the hammers for West Ham or, you know, just the symbology in it to show their power of your internal <laughs> mojo. Yeah, I, you know, Jeff, I think I think one of the one of the sadnesses is that, um, uh, you know, people use things for different things, don't they? You know, people are power trips and all, all, all of that stuff. Um, so yeah, I mean, you have to accept that human beings haven't necessarily always done the right thing with energy. Um, we're trying to now, I think, is 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 my 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 take on it. You know that that yeah, all that all that imagery and symbology and stuff. It's like the it, going back to the martial arts thing. People take that entirely the wrong way. You know, they use it for all the wrong reasons. They do the wrong things with it. They have the wrong mindset to it. But actually, deep in its psyche something really pure really profound and really beneficial because if you use it in the right way you come through conflict to peace you know so, so whatever those guys were doing with their shields and their imagery uh, you know in medieval times well they were strange days jeff i'm pretty sure you know um and they picked up on they picked up on the myth and turned it into power you know the very the very thing that you know we want to be the reverse of we want to take the imagery and turn it into love you know, we want to turn it into peace and harmony, uh, and the dragon energy and all that stuff is is peaceful, loving energy, really. And the dragon lines are there for our our benefit and our our wisdom and our our nurturing. You know, and right. I think that's another story. <laughs> well, you know, if you talk about myths, Jeff, you come to the right place. <laughs> 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 yeah, definitely. This is the this is I mean uh, Jeffrey Ash's book, you know, King Arthur's Avalon. Man, what a what a masterpiece that is. Jeff still lives here. He's 97, still living at the foot of the tour. And and our great author, you know. He is just a wonder, you know. And and what he wrote about uh, our understanding of Joseph of Arimathea, of King Arthur, of everything about this place. He was just a masterpiece. Absolutely amazing. Mm. Jeffrey Ash. Okay, I'll, I'll look him up. Go and find Jeff's books. Any one of them. They're all absolutely brilliant. And there are lots of them. Yeah, right. <laughs> right, okay. <laughs> right, well, we've, um, we've really talked um, a lot about all sorts of things to do with nature and dragon lines and ley lines and song lines and your music and your story it's been um it's been amazing so for just touching base with you now and again and chit-chatting now i know what you're all about <laughs> the real thank deal you. thank you Andrew. That's no, really so kind. it's been our pleasure for um for you sharing all your wisdom so uh, and i know yeah. people are about connecting with you but i know you're not a great facebook fan 
but um, you can you can well i'm very contactable on my break man site you know i i i'm not on i'm not sitting on it you know but i will always get back to people so yeah. please contact me if you if you'd like to um i'm 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 all ears you know and it'd be nice to it would be nice to talk to a few people in in oz and elsewhere and uh you know I, yeah and there's lots of nice photographs uh, you know um we took a lot of photographs of the the tour during the lockdown we we we, we um we passionately call it our magic mountain and we photographed it pretty much every day uh it was a wonderful project actually it was it was very very special to to relate to it on on in such a personal way on such a regular basis so um, there's lots of those photographs and some of them you know, most of them are oh, pretty much all of them are Samias and they are fabulous. So have a look at those. Yeah, yeah we will do. Thanks. Hey, um, here's our lady from South Australia talking about the frogs. So um, <laughs> they take over. <laughs> <laughs> they give um, themselves a voice. Yeah, when we get the rain, it starts coming, um, Dave. But look, um, you know, you talked about four four, well four 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 as a breath. Um, Two weeks ago the frog started so i started i started counting them you're like counting the sheep you know so i count them one two. and the thing's breathing away i counted 164 bloody croaks i mean these things just go on don't they hey you got <laughs> yeah i mean we have we have um, the spawning time for the toads here is absolutely remarkable i mean it's like you know it's uh it is the frog chorus, I think, that Paul McCartney did a song about it, didn't he? Yeah. <laughs> anyway. All right. Do they, do, what, I, what I need to know is, do they eat all your slugs? I mean, they're, they're one of our great <laughs> slug reducers, the frogs. No, I don't really have slugs. I'll tell you. Um, <laughs> I'll tell you. Well, I'm coming there. <laughs> no, I had a lady um, come last night. She wanted some, um, sent me an email the printer stuffed up and asked if she could print it out and said yeah right yeah so um she came up a bit late at night and then um about half an hour later an hour later she went outside and bloody hell first time ever had this oh one and a half two meter bloody snake just out there by the mailbox so um it had different patterns on it and of course very rarely do i get snakes you know very very rarely i mean i've had a green snake and i've had a little black snake they'd have a brown snake years and years ago but this is the first time i had this one and um at night so we're talking about eight o'clock at night when you see snakes come out at night because i mean they really need to have the um the heat during the day you know so so i said listen mate thank you very much it's time for you to go go across the other side of the road and of course went through the grass and then out across the bloody drive over across the road to the other side and i thought oh hang on a second better ring up the neighbors and tell them there's a snake coming here so, <laughs> so i got on the phone i got on the phone and I rang, rang up vicky and i said look at vicky uh yeah there's a snake that's come onto your driveway mate <laughs> she said what is it i said got it i don't know <laughs> but very wow. rare i mean at night you know so um yeah so obviously it's come out at night like kangaroos and wants to get the heat coming off the off the pavement off the drive you know off the bitumen you know but um very yeah. rare yeah. I, uh, so they're probably going they're probably eating our toads as frogs and yeah possums yeah, yeah. I bet. 
Yeah, yeah we. I was. I was. I was. Uh, I picked up a bag of compost. I was putting it round some roses, and I was digging into this bag, putting the putting the compost down like that. And I went to get the last lot of compost out, and there was an adder at the bottom of this <laughs> this <laughs> bag, looking up at me, going, "One more, <laughs> one more." <laughs> And I suppose you were thinking of Rowan Atkinson then when he was doing yeah. that. Right? <laughs> yeah. yeah, I don't think he would have fared any better. I mean, I'm glad I didn't get bit. They're not, there's no fun getting bit by them. Yeah. Well, they probably need the Queen. Off with us, Ed. That was so great. You... I, loved, I loved those Black The Black Adder series was amazing. Very funny. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. Um, pleasure. Been a pleasure to have you. Thank you very, very much. Thank you. Well, thank you, Jeffrey. And thank you for what you do, man. It's great. It's a great thing. Brilliant. Thank you, Andrew. It was bloody fantastic. Nice yeah. catch up with um, Homer Glastonbury as well with the photos, yeah? Mm, definitely. Mm. Right. Thank you very much. Yeah, come and see us when you're next here, Jeff. Yeah. Uh, yeah. What do you call it? Teleport. Yeah. yeah. No passports then. All right. <laughs> All the best. <laughs>